Hey, Chicago! Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, coming to you from a very stormy night here in the Chicagoland area. So if you hear any loud, random rumbles of thunder, uh, I will, I'm going to apologize right at the top because I don't think I have any, I'm not good enough at editing to uh, take care of those. But with me tonight are my two usual line mates. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. It is Shepard Price. Hi, I was also drafted by a placeholder team. <laughs> Which one? Uh, F. So, like, I'm, I'm behind Lafreniere by, like, one. Okay, so placeholder team F. Yeah. All right. Also with us tonight, he was drafted by placeholder team Z. It is Brandon Kane. Why Z? I, I don't know. That was that was the letter that came to mind first. I was thinking, like, C, but then, like, no, let's go with the very last letter of the alphabet just for fun. There were only place. There were only eight placeholder teams. So yeah. congratulations, Brandon. Good job <laughs> getting drafted by the twenty-sixth one. A whole different league. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> well, hey, at least you got drafted, right? That's more than Chris Kunitz can say. <laughs> more than more than Hall of Famer Martin San Luis can say. Okay. Well, uh, well, Brandon, you're sensing start. a trend that these guys are short, so <laughs> it really fits my brand. Yeah, ex- exactly. So just let us know when you make it to the NHL, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it then. I, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm really I'm, yeah. I'm also on the same trajectory as all these guys, so we're we're doing well. Maybe slight difference in age, though. Uh, I guess my virgin yeah hockey. might end up playing for the Lightning at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might need guys at some point with the way things are going down in Florida. And. Speaking of that, no, no, not speaking of that, but on a totally different tangent, uh, on we did have some NHL news that came out over the weekend, which these days, anytime we get any sort of NHL news, it is much appreciated. It actually came out on Friday. They had the NHL draft lottery, and before we get into the Blackhawks aspects of that and how it affects the Blackhawks, I guess we need to end, I guess at some point we'll have to explain how it affects the Leafs, right? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it basically affects the Leafs the same way it affects the Blackhawks. So, we can have, so two birds with one stone. That is a fair point. And then we can address the way that every hockey media is concerned with how does this affect the Leafs. But anyway, so the way they did the draft lottery this year is they had – and I'm, Brandon, feel free to jump in at any point if I explain this incorrectly. But it's basically the, there were six teams – seven teams. Seven, seven teams. teams excluded – from the 2014 playoff system that the NHL is going to institute, hopefully at the end of July. So those seven teams were entered into the lottery, as well as the eight, quote, placeholders for the teams that lose in the first round of the qualifying playoff thing that the NHL is setting up, correct? Am I good so far? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the way the, the, the lottery works is they have one big raffle for everybody that goes for – um, And in that lottery, they get two groups. It's one, two, and three, and then four through 16. And one of the placeholder teams got a spot in the one, two, and three positions. So therefore, if any uh, of the eight teams that could lose in the first round of the NHL playoff thing that they hope starts again at the end of July, the eight teams that lose in that opening round – will each have an equal 12.5% chance at getting the number one overall pick in this year's draft. If, if the play-in round happens. If the play-in round happens. And, Brandon, if the playoff round does not happen, then what do they do? It's inverse point percentage by the bottom eight of, like, those 16 teams. Okay. Which includes the Blackhawks. Yeah, the Blackhawks are number two in that group after Montreal. So, so if you're looking at this from a Blackhawks perspective, if the Blackhawks lose to the Oilers in their best-of-five qualifier series, I'm reading this directly from Brandon's article at secondcityhockey.com because that's the easiest way to communicate this. If the Blackhawks lose to the Oilers, they, along with the other qualifying first-round qualifier losers, that'll be seven other teams, they'll be part of the phase two of the lottery to determine which team will have the top pick 
All eight qualifying losing teams will share equal odds of 12.5% in phase two of the lottery. So uh, before we get into some debates involving that, what was just your guys' overall reaction to the draft lottery that happened Friday night? And Shepard, I'll start with you. So in 2017, the same exact thing happened to the Avalanche, where they had like one of the worst seasons of the modern era um, and then lost every lottery pick and came in fourth. Uh, same exact thing happened to Detroit. Um, very similar circumstances. Uh, very similar results for their season. Um, Colorado eventually got Kale McCarr from that. I don't see Detroit getting somebody at that level um, in this draft because Kale McCarr wasn't supposed to be that that level. Otherwise, he would have gone like first or second overall. It's just it's 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 a bummer for Detroit, who just clearly needs help. Um, Do they like, though? Do they really need help? They're in a different <laughs> conference now. We could let the rivalry die. Uh, oh, like, yeah. And, and oh, they're yeah. they're getting connected to, like, Cole Perfetti, which is – he's, like, a good goal scorer, but, like, he's not – like, he's Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield fell to 16 last year. And Cole Caulfield like, was Alex Dabrinkit. Well oh, – Good I, Alex I think I think – yes. I, no, I think I think Cole Caulfield's supposed to be, like, supposed to be Dabrinkit. Yeah. But uh, that's a, a lofty aim. Um, a lofty aim when, when Dabrinkit's not cursed by shooting percentage. But I don't like unless somehow either Stutzel or Byfield somehow falls to them. That's not like a great place to draft. Um, there is a like the number one defenseman in the draft this year. Jamie Dry- Drysdale will be available there, but it's just and like Ottawa got only got third in the in the lottery too because of uh, San Jose's pick. So like the two worst teams didn't neither of their actual picks ended up being in the top three. So what, um, you're, so what you're saying is the two teams that were kind of tanking didn't get the number one overall pick anyway. Hmm. I don't think either were tanking. I think Detroit was just terrible. They're, um, they're un- and, and, unintentionally and, and, tanking. Yes. Uh, and that was a result of their former GM, who is a Hall of Famer uh, <laughs> for some reason this year. Uh, it's, really, it's really interesting timing to with how bad the Red Wings are to see one of their executives be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Or get, again, the guy, the guy responsible for their downfall being inducted into the Hall of Fame. But the other thing is, like, I just love the chaos this creates because, like, it's going to come down to one of the eight teams that loses, and that is going to be, like, there's going to be a, uh, a question of, like, is it worth it for us to fall out of this round or if we don't see ourselves as a contender, that, uh, fall out of this round and see if we can get Lafreniere? And that'll be a question for, like, all 16 teams. And, that, and that's something we'll probably yell at each other about in a, in a few minutes here. Very soon, yes. But before we do that, I want to get Brandon Kane's thoughts on all of the happenings of Friday night. So the reason that they did this draw before the qualifier thing was to drum up interest and like keep conversation going, and they clearly did that because we're talking about it. There you go. So I thought the concept of doing it before the qualifiers was smart on that part. Um, I was hoping that one of the placeholders would claim one of the top three picks. Then the second hope was that two of them would. <laughs> and then the top pick, I wasn't even thinking that that would be a possibility. Um, but it is delightful that that's the situation because if this were to happen and it would just be the teams that lose the qualifiers and then they just do the lottery all at once like normal, and then the placeholder or like one of those qualifier losers ends up with the first pick, people wouldn't be like as outraged or whatever about it. But because of the way it's drawn out for a month, essentially, or more, I guess, some people are up in arms about it, but I think the chaos is fine. It's making the sport relevant in conversations when other sports are coming back and it's like, did you see what the NHL did? Like, what the hell? So it's just, it's super interesting to me. And the fact that LA climbed to number two is pretty interesting to me just based on like their prospect pool right now where it's pretty solid down the middle and they're going to add another center. Yep. So it's like, what are you going to do with all these other guys? Trade them away, actually get like a real player and, a year or two. So that'll be interesting to see how they navigate that. Um, There's humor in Ottawa getting the 
their top pick in that uh, order and it not being their own pick and it being San Jose's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, Ottawa traded Eric Carlson, who's been bad in San Jose, for Tim Stoitzel, which is a pretty good trade for them. Yeah. And then there's the aspect of Buffalo's been in the lottery for nine straight years. They've never moved. I think they moved up once. And the year that they won it in 2018 when they got uh, Darlene out of it, they were the worst team. They didn't move at all. Like, they just they, – they, they, the they got, they got they what got. they came for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, I the think... fact that they, like, moved one spot back was just like, oh, like, that has to suck for fans of the Sabres. Yeah. Especially and with also, like, why turmoil. are you still doing that to yourselves? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, just – yeah, what Shepard said about their turmoil. Like, that they, – they've had – a, just a pretty much a decade of incompetence, I guess, on the ice. And, I mean, you got J- Jack Eichel, who's going to be a star and is working his way towards it. But, like, and, and you've got Rasmus Dahlin as well that you mentioned, Brandon. But I just outside of that, it's like there's not a lot to get excited about. And even – Victor Olofsson. Yeah, Henry Yoko. Henry Yokihara. <laughs> yeah, same idea. I, I thought that the interesting part is you look at some of the other teams that are in these playoff rounds – and, I mean, there's some – like, the Pittsburgh Penguins could get the number one overall pick, theoretically. So could the Nashville Predators, who were in a Stanley Cup recently. Did they make it to the Cup? Yeah, they made it to the Cup. And, and uh, the first time – the first go-round of the Penguins repeat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they lost to the Penguins. But that would be pretty funny if they go from – like, if Pittsburgh loses to Montreal in their qualifier and then they get the number one pick because – They'd essentially be replacing one of the best CHL players of all time in Sidney Crosby, who played for Ruminski. Yep. With another one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers could theoretically get the number one overall pick again for like the fifth time in the last decade, but they'd have to lose to the Blackhawks first. And they'd also I feel like everyone is saying that whoever loses that qualifier series will get the pick. It'll either be the Hawks or the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the Hawks for the conspiracy. It'd be the Oilers for the comedy, and then everyone else. I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes, who were damn good last season, could get the number one overall pick. So that that would be that that would be a team that would be extra scary. But I feel like the Hurricanes. I, I don't have much faith in the Rangers beating them. So, but you know, weird things might happen when it's a short series. But anyway, in terms of how this is going to affect the Chicago Blackhawks, which is the team that is the reason we're all assembled here, it, it kind of leads into a, a debate regarding what the Blackhawks' plan should be going forward. Now, here's I, I can already tell you from conversations we've had earlier, I'm going to throw this to Shepard Price first because there, there's two minds here. One is that the Hawks could try and win and go as far as they can, or they could – somehow find a way to kind of just bow out in that first round and put themselves in the mercy of the lottery and see if they can get Lafreniere with the first overall pick and uh, add to a a farm system that they've already been building up for a while. So I'm going to go to Shepard first because I know what he's going to argue, and then I'm going to argue the exact opposite point. So Shepard, go ahead and make the point that I know you're going to make. Hi. Thank <laughs> you for coming to my TED Talk. And Oh, and then uh, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. So go okay. ahead. Hi. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. The Chicago Blackhawks are not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, I hate to break it, hate to break it to you. They don't have the defense uh, unless Corey Crawford becomes God mode uh, and wins the uh, but wins the Conn Smythe out of nowhere, which he should have had two times. But uh, unless he's going for a third one, um, there's no way. Uh, so the options are: a drop out now, um, get a chance at the first overall pick. Worst case scenario, you would lose now in this round. Ninth or tenth pick. Uh, if Montreal somehow beats Pittsburgh, guess what? Blackhawks have a top ten pick. If they don't, guess what? Blackhawks still have a top ten pick. Uh, this draft is very good in the in the top ten. Outside of the top ten, not as great. Uh, if the Blackhawks get a top ten pick in this draft, they're getting a special player. If they get pick sixteen, which is the best they can do after losing next round, because they're not going to beat St. Louis, they're not going to beat Vegas, they're not going to beat. Uh, Colorado, they might beat Dallas. Are you really taking the 25% chance that they get Dallas? I don't want that. The Blackhawks need to lose this series because getting four more games of playoff practice for Alex Ibrinkat, Kirby Doc, and Adam Boquist is not worth 
uh, losing out on Lafreniere or uh, I've talked about, I've talked to Brandon about this. Like Alexander Holtz might be available at 10. Jack Quinn might be available at 10. Somehow like Lucas Raymond's might be available at 10. There's a great list of players who could be available at 10 um, or, and all those players will be available at nine. So, uh, or should be, or might be available at nine, but you know, uh, the Blackhawks are winning the Stanley cup. It's a foolish to act like they are. Um, therefore the best odds they have, the best result of these, of this off season would be somehow getting Lafreniere who's Kane, but Canadian. End of, end of my first round. So you're going to tell me Alex Lafreniere, or I guess this, this is my question for you. And this is the question I have for anybody who thinks the Blackhawks should bow out in the first round or just like, I don't know how they would throw it. Like the players aren't going to like not play. They're going to try and win, but I don't know if they scratch somebody that might make a difference. I don't know what way the Hawks could do this, or maybe you're just secretly hoping that this is what happens. Do you think Alex Lafreniere can replace Patrick Kane's production? Like within the Uh, next three to four years. When Patrick Kane is 34 and Alex Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere is like 21. Yes. Give him, give him a few you, years. You yes. really think he's that? You're thinking, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people think he's that good. And he's also he's also Kane, who's sometimes willing to play defense. Well, I I don't I don't care if Patrick Kane never plays defense because he's so I do. good at offense. I I care of like you, I care, like you, you, there's you got, I don't think I it is my it is my belief that it is my belief that Patrick Kane is not as good of uh, currently is not as good a winger as he could be. I believe players like Mark Stone, who don't necessarily put up as much points oh. to make a defense, make a make a huge difference defensively, are better. I think players like Brad Marchand are way better. Oh, don't you dare bring Brad Marchand into this. Brad Marchand uh, plays defense and, and and nearly matches the point target. Like Brad Marchand is a better player. Oh, hey, if I was on a line with Pierre uh, Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak, I'd have sixty points a season too. If you look but at it, their individual impacts, Brad Marchand has made a this, better right. defensive impact over the last two years than Patrice Bergeron has. This is kind of gets into a philosophical debate about what kind of hockey players you want, and that's kind of not where I wanted to go with this. So the ideal – the reason I asked you that question is whether or not you would – whether or not you want how – or it's just – it's how good Lafreniere is going to be. Because, like, I, I, I was reading multiple articles today. Uh, they did – Corey Pronman at the Athletic, he had they had like the top. If if you could do the number one overall picks of the last decade, where would you put Lafreniere? And he asked a bunch of executives in the Western Eastern Conference. He was fifth behind Darlene McKinnon, Matthews, and Connor McDavid. Not exactly a slouch. I mean, those are all great players, but the the, the overall point I'm trying to make here is that if. Alex Lafreniere was being talked about the way that Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby were being talked about. Then I'd listen to this argument. There's, there's a reason for that. And it's uh, the same reason Marion Hossa never won the selfie. Uh, Lafreniere is a, a winger and not a center. I don't know. I've, I mean, and there's a bias and there's an inher- inherent bias in hockey. All right. Centers. All right. All right. It's fair. Then. So my, my first point is that I don't see Lafreniere being, he it just he doesn't seem like he's quite the like the top like one point one percent of NHL players that Patrick Kane still is. And is if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna like throw away playoff games, I need to be cons- I need to be pretty sure that the guy that I'm gonna throw everything away for is going to be an absolute star. And I've read a lot of articles today about Lafreniere that say he's gonna be a top line talent, but in terms of like the McDavid Crosby area, he's not quite there. And Again, it's the center problem. If the fact that he's not going to be a center, if that's the whole problem, fine. But he's not he's not going to be in the tier of talent that the unquestionable stars who were number one overall picks are going to be. The other problem I have is when the hell are you going to try and win games with this team? I'm at some point. Not now. I, they shouldn't have been in the playoffs this year, this season anyway. But Shepard, they're, they're they're twenty second or twenty third out of twenty four teams. At some point, you have to stop losing, or you become the Buffalo Sabers. Right. At some point, and, you have to try and win, and you're not letting you're not letting Alex DeBrincat try and win. You're not letting Connor Murphy try and win. They have so many like. All of the players that are carryovers from when they when they actually won the cup, the overwhelming majority of those players are gone. Hosa is gone. Uh, right. 
Sharp is gone. Brent Seabrook's and pretty much gone. Sharp he, yes. is gone. There's so Kevin many. Keith like, is not the player he used to be. The, exactly. The overwhelming majority of players on this team are already. Or the overall majority of players on this team do not have Stanley Cups, and some of them don't even have playoff experience. Connor Murphy hasn't played a damn playoff game yet. So at some I point, you have to expose team. these players to playoff hockey. I thought the Hawks got an absolute gift when the NHL decided to expand this playoff format to 24 teams and include the Blackhawks in it, because now you get to see the part of the season when it really matters. You get to see, is Connor Murphy a different player in the postseason? Is Alex Debrinkit a different player in the postseason? In a good way. Is Adam Boquist able to perform in the playoffs? Like the way watching Kale McCarr do what he did with Colorado in the playoffs last year, I want to see Adam Boquist do all those things because I think on the offensive end, he's absolutely capable of it. So at some point, you have to stop just treading water and, and trying to build for the future and let your future pieces prove that they can win. And to hell with Alexis Lafreniere, I don't need him anymore. Okay, but I, I agree that at some point the Blackhawks need to win. But it's currently not with this coach. Uh, Jeremy Colleton is going to hold them back. Uh, it's not with this team. They need better defense. Again, like their defense is so porous this year. They're one of the worst. Like I think they might be the worst in terms of high danger chances given up per, per 60 this season. It's horrible. Uh, three, a, again, a top 10 pick, which is the worst case scenario. If they lose this round, makes this team better. And, that te- and then that team can go on and you can stop trying to lose and start trying to win again. I think that, like, you got to, like, give this team the best chance to win. It's not right now. The best chance to win is getting Lafreniere or Holtz or Raymonds or Quinn and moving forward with them instead of having uh, the current team as assembled because this current team as assembled, again, did not belong in the playoffs this year. I don't want to make it sound like I think this team's going to win the Stanley Cup. But what I'm saying is that – Right, so then, then there's no point in staying in the playoffs. Is there, again, no, no, there's, there's, no, not, there's, not, there's not a tremendous difference between five games, which is the best-case scenario against Edmonton, and nine games against not, Vegas because they get swept. No, I, I totally disagree. It's not an A or B argument. It's not, this, is, this is the thing that bothers me about the way people talk about sports now is that it's either win a championship or nothing. There, you cannot just go from nothing to winning championships. There is a path. Like the Blackhawks did not – assembled the team that they had for the last decade in one season. It was a, it was a course of a decade of playing like shit. And then they, in the, it was in the 07, 08 season. They, the back half of the season, they made a crazy run and damn near got into the playoffs when they had no business being in the playoff picture. And then the next season they ran to the conference finals, learned a whole bunch. And the next year they won the cup. I'm not saying the Blackhawks are going to run to the conference finals this year, but at some point you need to let, the players play and you need to throw them into the deep end of the pool and see if they can swim. Throw them in when they've earned it. They have not earned it this season. And the, the, so there's, so it's not black and white. The worst thing in hot in sports is mediocrity. Pick 16 is mediocrity. Pick nine or 10 is not mediocrity. That's where the Blackhawks belong. And that's like, a, again, a good player in this draft. I have a hard time envisioning a substantial difference between 10 and 16. I know what you're saying. The top 10 is a lot better this year, but it's like, I wish I could find this chart because there was a chart about the value of NHL draft picks and that after you get outside of the top 10, I'm also, this also goes back to another thing that I feel like a lot of people do when they're talking about these big term pictures is you overvalue the hell out of prospects. Like Alexis Frenier might be very good. And, and some, and I have not done a lot of my draft research, so I can't really name anybody that's in like, the back half of the top 10, but I would rather have Adam Boquist and Kirby doc right now than just about anybody that's in the NHL draft because they've played at the NHL level and proven that they belong. You don't know if that number one overall pick is going to be Rick Nash, who was good, but never really great. Or if he's going to be Connor McDavid, like Alexis Frenier does a lot of great stuff on paper. He seems like he's going to be a star. How do you know he's not going to be a bust? How do you know he doesn't blow out his knee his first season and he's never good? I hate the idea of putting so much stock in a guy that's wildly unproven. He's a teenager. I don't want to put that right, much stock the point, in a teenager. That's the, point, that's the point of the NHL draft is you have to put stock in teenagers. You're just defeating the point of the but, draft. No, you're putting too much stock in it, though. You're putting like all of your stock in saying Alexis Lafreniere is going to be the guy. I'd rather have – you know, I know some of the guys I'm naming are still pretty young, but Adam Boquist has reached the NHL. Right, but, okay, again, you're, again, again, this point that Kirby Doc and Adam Bokus have proved they, proven they belong in the NHL. I don't know that they have. Boquist has had really poor defensive numbers this season. Kirby, Kirby Doc disa- disappeared for long stretches of time. He was just gone. 
Like, he was but he, all, like you, you did not see him show up on the ice. But they also could have sent him to the WHL and let him play in the juniors. Instead, they let him come play at the NHL level because they felt like another season in the WHL was pointless. So he had... Right, because the, the ideal would have been to put him in the AHL, but you can't do that because the NHL, NHL's agreement with the CHL is trash. It's garbage. Well, that's, that's another argument for another day. We're, we're, we're going to pause our yelling at each other. Let Brandon jump in because I'm sure he has something to add to this. Brandon? Brandon? Yeah, so... <laughs> I thought we put him to sleep. <laughs> no. The players are going to play to win. That's just... There's no, like, coughing up games. Like, there's no Pete Rose scenario here. Play to win the game. Sorry, I had to. Point taken. I think that any – Lafonier would play next season. Any 9 or 10 guy you're seeing in two years, which is when you're going to have Boquist and Doc up for new deals. And who knows who else is going to be in that. And with everything being shut down and they're not possibly starting on time, who knows if there's a kid from – the CHL that they were to draft in a nine ten position, what they would do with that kid. So I don't think that they're going to get the top pick. I think it would be nine or 10 for them. I mean, I also know that they're playing the Oilers and Mike Smith. So, <laughs> I mean, even like, it's even, it's only a 12.5% chance, man. Right. And there's an 87.5% chance they don't, but again, there's a hundred percent chance if they lose that it's a top 10 pick. Yeah, I mean, um, but are you are you convinced Alexis Lafreniere isn't Neil Yakupov? I'm convinced Neil. I'm convinced Alexis Lafreniere is the best winger uh, in in like the top three conversations since Kane. Oh, oh, better than Line and yes, I'm trying to get yeah. That. Patrick Line has has like since his rookie season has like deteriorated. Yeah, I mean, just I, I just I was reading. It was, uh, it was one of the Corey Pronman articles at The Athletic where they just said he didn't – he was he was very good in a lot of tournaments and in, in his league, but just there was there was a level of dominance that you want out of an unquestionable number one draft pick, number one overall pick, that it, you didn't quite see out of him. So Right, but then there's also the people who say that, like, he's, he's excellent in all three zones, and, like, when he wants to care about the defensive zone, he's excellent there. And that's I'm, I want somebody who makes a difference in all three zones. And that's what Lafreniere is. Yeah, I mean, oh, ideally you want a guy that plays all three zones. Obviously, yeah, but yeah. So of these, let's change this to a more interesting topic. Of the oh, oh more interesting. Sorry, we're not interesting enough for you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just exhausted it. So of okay. the other qualifier teams, which team would you be like? Yeah, I'd be okay with them getting the first pick. And then which team would you be like, motherfucker? Uh, well, the, the motherfucker response is Edmonton. Cause you Edmonton, had, yep. You had four shots at it. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'm not happy with Edmonton. I'd like to see Carolina get it, but that would mean they would lose in the first round. I just think Carolina's fun to watch. So if you threw Lafrenia in with that whole nucleus that they're building out there, that would be pretty good. I would not be, I would not be so disappointed with Montreal. A, because I don't see them as even, – even with Lafreniere as a legitimate threat, and B, because uh, it's Montreal, and, like, hockey's better when Montreal's better. It would if, – if the Canadians got good again, it would give a, a – provide a good team to hate. Yes. Because they're – they haven't really won in a while, but the Canadians do have a bit of a Yankees vibe to them. Yes. Yes, they do. They were earlier on. It's kind of faded away because they haven't had much success of late. Um, don't they have the exact same number of titles? No. I thought it's, they both had 27. It's a lot. They've, They've won 23. 23 oh, okay. Cups, 25 championships. But, I mean, they won a lot of those when there was, like, five teams in the league. So, I don't I, – Five I mean, other teams. Well, it was an exaggeration, but you got the point. Yes, <laughs> the, the original six, if you will. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they've won – one Stanley Cup in the last 30 years. So, yeah. And then that one was in 93. So it's been a while. So I've yes, got three has. teams where I would be like totally fine if they got it Columbus, Arizona, yeah. Yeah. and the Rangers. The Rangers would be interesting because, like, does he play on the first line? And B, does he unseat Kako uh, as they're like universally heralded 
like guy. Oh, that, that that's a hell of a top six though with Kako and Lafreniere and then Panarin on the other side. Yeah, and then either fast or uh, somebody like that, Matt Buknovich. Easy for you to say. I'm glad you said it because I couldn't pronounce it. Spend enough time listening to people talk about the Rangers. You learn how to pronounce Matt Buknovich. Right. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets would be interesting, but like their team was such a like you really thought they were building something that was going to be dominant for like a five year run, and then they kind of didn't. So that'd be fun. Uh, it's a, if he goes to Florida, you better hope he plays all three zones, or the Quinville will bench his ass for the first year. Because Kane, oh Kane, there was Kane benched the first year. Well, Kane was already an established like star by the time Quinville took over. So okay. Yeah. I think I think any defensive shortcomings that Kane might have had were uh, ignored. Quinville could ignore them because of how good he was on offense. But I also feel like earlier, in, well, maybe there was a more of an emphasis on Kane's defensive game under Quinville because maybe Kane knew he couldn't get away with shit under Quinville that he maybe he's getting away with under Colleton. He's also not getting wasn't getting triple shifted under Quinville the way he is now. I think he played the most time out of any forward this season, which is insane. Yeah, yeah which. I, that's another problem we can explore later where uh, I don't know how much you want to uh, afford that's played that many games in his career. Eventually, if you're going to play him 25 minutes a night, you're going to run him into the ground. Right, and, and he, that's another benefit of Lafreniere coming to the Blackhawks. Takes the load off. Um, I would not want him to go to Montreal. Uh, it just it, it's His name sounds – Obviously, it, it, it's very French Canadian. Yeah, so he's from Quebec. Yeah, so yeah. I just do not want that raging Canadian hockey boner <laughs> going every single time. That that's my new band name, me. Raging Canadian Hockey Boner. What they if you already what have if, that with Dino? <laughs> they don't. What if to, What if Toronto loses and they get Lafreniere? That's even worse of a hockey boner. No, it it wouldn't be. Then they trade, uh, they trade Willie Nylander or Mitch Marner because the salary cap's not going anywhere, and they're going to be more screwed than the Blackhawks are. Yeah. <laughs> Only if we get Marner on his like balcony looking over the city, <laughs> like last time, where he's like, "Well, guess I'm done." <laughs> Just like, yeah. go on some other place. Sam, I guess we'll have uh, we'll have more time to yell at each other about this. Should be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, when I saw the, I, I didn't pay attention to the draft lottery. I'll be totally honest, completely forgot it was Friday night. And when it happened, I, I think I didn't even see the news until Saturday morning when I saw, Oh, the Blackhawks actually have a chance at the number one overall pick. And my next thought was, I hope they get it just to piss off everybody in the world because yes. everybody was so upset last year when they got third overall. So the Blackhawks getting number one overall, it would just, I I would be the guy laughing at the explosions happening in front of me because. Also, do you know the last time the Blackhawks went three to one in the la- in in two consecutive years? Taves, Taves, and Kane. Yup. Yeah. I also think it should be noted that Doc and Lafreniere were supposed to be on the same line for World Juniors, but then Doc didn't go. So take that little nugget with you. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that for all my excitement about wanting the Blackhawks to win and put something together and have the growth of the younger players and other players that haven't been in the playoffs, it's entirely possible that they try their best and get their asses kicked anyway because Edmonton does have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So. Because those two have wanted to make matter. the playoffs for a long time. Yeah, and I mean, those two guys can single-handedly just send the Hawks home and we'll just tip our caps and say, see you later. Well, Dreisaitl can. They, McDavid can't do anything against oh, yeah, the Hawks. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. He gets David. Because Brandon Saad, because the shadow of Brandon Saad lurks in the shadows. Yeah. Two guys with, like, pretty decent beards. <laughs> will Will Saad and Kane do the uh, beards and the mullets and the uh, steps on the side? Do you think they'll do that again this year? I don't think they'll have long enough <laughs> to do it. Can they get to a barber in time? <laughs> Can you go? Can you go to a barber yet? I don't know. I mean, I know you can go. To, I I got a haircut in Indiana. I don't know what you guys can do in Illinois yet. Yeah, I think can. that's part of phase four. Okay. I I I I stopped reading all the phases. I kind of forgot. I used to know like in exquisite detail what every single phase meant, and after a while, I just kind of all blurred together, and I forgot. 
yeah, um, should be interesting. I, I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll revisit this topic more later so Shepard and I can, can yell at each other some more. Um, but on the other side of this timeout, I guess we'll do well, – maybe we'll talk a little bit about the 2019-2020 uh, Chicago Blackhawks team that we kind of need to remind ourselves of who these guys were and, like, what their problems were and all those things. So I think we'll maybe do a little bit of that on the other side of this timeout. So I'll come on back and listen for that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as promised before the break, we're going to do a little recap here of the 2019-2020 Chicago Blackhawks regular season. They played 70 games. Uh, I wouldn't call them good. They had 72 points in those 70 games. Their record was 30 wins, or excuse me, 32 wins, 30 losses, 8 overtime losses. They were last place in the Central Division, but we're still talking about them in the playoffs, and in the last segment, we heard a lot of me and a lot of Shepherds. so... Recapping your 2019-2020 Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Brandon Kane, I will ask you, what do you remember about these guys? What stood out about to you? And what things do you, uh, do you look forward to watching if we get to see them again in this, this playoff thing next month? They were not good at the start, and then they brought in Adam Boquist to the surprise of everyone. And he played a little bit. Uh, I feel like Murphy was injured at the start, right? Yep. Yes, he was. So was DeHaan. And DeHaan, yeah. Um, and then DeHaan got injured in December. Mm-hmm. So does he work? No, that was just like a lingering thing. Um, Andrew mm-hmm. Shaw got knocked out in Colorado in late November. Mm-hmm. Was never seen again. Yeah, I mean, I might be end of his career. Um, I feel like it was a slow progression for Kublik, and then there was just like a – I can't pinpoint the turning point of the season, but it was just like, nope, this guy's like for real good. It wasn't like this is a fluky thing. Um a lot of milestones for Kane throughout the season. And a pleasant surprise to see how effective Ryan Carpenter was. A pleasant surprise to see how effective the penalty kill was. That too, yeah. And Ryan Carpenter. Oh, speaking of of the penalty kill. Oh. The entire strange part of the Mark Crawford saga, if you want to call it that, where he was gone oh, yes. from the team for a month. I forgot about that. And then the PK like remained good. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, what is going on here? Yeah, that was a very interesting time because whenever some news of that magnitude comes out, everyone just leaps into like, well, they should just fire them. Instead of like taking a step back and waiting for a statement to come from that person or the organization and see how they're going to move forward with it and either address the situation publicly and wait to see if the person has you know, confronted these past issues beforehand and like sought out help like Crawford had. Yeah. So, I- I remember that specifically, that there was a lot of things going on. Like other coaches, I think uh, – God, was it? Bill Peters. Bill Peters mm-hmm. was like the, the epicenter of that whole thing. But like then it came from – like the story transitioned to Mark Crawford, but then it actually came out that, oh, he's actually like taking steps to correct the errors of his ways and was actually like actually acting on some of those things. So like they – you said like they suspended him for a month or whatever and then he came back to the team and – Seems like everything's been okay. I, for, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I, anything that happened before March might as well have happened 20 years ago. So. <laughs> and the, the, the big thing that I, I feel like most people are forgetting is the goaltending situation and the oh, whole, yeah. like, sub Crawford in for the shootout so Robin Leonard doesn't have to. Yeah. And the height of that was, like, in December and then – Leonard won the shootout in Columbus and he just like gave out this like huge yell when they won. And it was just like, 
finally, I don't have to deal with these dumb questions anymore. He was just so relieved. And I was like, I'm so happy for that guy. Like, that was really nice. And the celebration of, like, everyone just, like, all his teammates, like, skating toward him and, like, celebrating with him. It was just, like, yeah. And that was also, like, the 1.6 seconds or 1.8 seconds that were put back on the clock and Torts was pissed. That's yes. right. That's right. And it also it ultimately uh, ultimately ended up with his goal t- with uh, towards his goaltender getting hurt too. Yes, yes, yeah, it did. True. Man, you guys are much better memories about this for me than I do. Uh, Shepard, what about you? What do you remember from the 2019-2020 uh, Chicago Blackhawks? How like strangely again how how effective the penalty kill was and how like I'd be much happier with this team if Mark Crawford was head coach instead of Jeremy Colleton, which is weird to say now. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that the milestone was not just Kane, but like Taves had 800 points and Duncan Keith had 100 goals this season. Um, and those two things were excellent. Um, and then uh, after that, it was the memories. Um, Murphy coming back healthy and playing playing well. And uh, who else? Saad being such a workhorse on the penalty kill. Like his dominance and having two two shorthanded goals this season was excellent, and then like again Crawford taking over the net at the end of the year, taking his taking his net back. Mm-hmm. But that's my memories of twenty nineteen twenty. Yeah, and then Corey Crawford after they traded away Leonard, Corey Crawford coming back. Well, it was kind of near the end of. I was like just before the trade deadline, they started playing Crawford a little bit more, and he just kind of said this is my job now and they were it seemed like they were planning on trading Leonard anyway but the way yeah. they just kind of made cemented that that's what they should do um I just remember a roller coaster ride that that's the biggest thing I remember like I remember it started off pretty bad and like I'm scrolling down the schedule here at hockey reference as I'm looking at this and then in November they won six of eight so that I remember that being fun uh then I see a lot of L's for the rest of November so then they they won six of eight, then they lost six of seven, then they won two in a row, and then they lost uh, five of six, and then they won six of eight. Like, I feel like this is this was the story of the entire Blackhawks season. And uh, as I was, as you guys were talking, I dug up an article that we wrote during their – there was the, the All-Star break and then their bye week in late January. So we had like almost two full weeks with no Blackhawks hockey. It, were, it was kind of the time to assess everything. And they they were twelve and six in their last eighteen games heading into that break, and they had a fairly favorable schedule coming out of it. Like a lot of teams that were in or near the playoff bubble, right where the Blackhawks were, like games against uh, Arizona and Minnesota and Winnipeg and Edmonton and Vancouver. And they promptly came out of that break. They won the first game against Arizona in a shootout, but then they lost seven of the next eight. And I think that pretty much dashed any hopes that we had that the Hawks were going to make the playoffs. They resurfaced a little bit at the end of February and March, won four in a row. And then the very last game that we saw them on March 11th, they beat the hell out of the San Jose Sharks and maybe the most thorough, satisfying victory they had the entire season. So I just remember this team being wildly confusing because you don't know which version of this Blackhawks team is actually good. I remember a lot of guys getting hurt. And I remember not thinking they were going to make the playoffs from the start of the season, having that confirmed by March when everything got shut down and thinking that they're very fortunate to even have a play in playoff, whatever the hell we're calling this thing, that they're even very fortunate just to be even considered part of it. And I'm trying to think of individual storylines. Like I remember the penalty kill was good. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett had a terrible season, just shooting percentage numbers way off for reasons that I don't think, I was ever able to quite figure out. Jonathan Taves was good. Patrick Kane was still good. Dylan Strom was maybe above average, roughly. Dylan Strom was what, like, Dylan Strom should be the rest of his career? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a decent second-line center, I guess we could say. Yeah. Uh, Drake Kajula, when, when healthy, I know health was the big issue for him. Alice Nylander was exactly – was kind of the – the head scr- I think every bit the roller coaster ride that the Blackhawks team was, and Dominic Kubalik was a revelation, and I think I think that's about those are the, the main things I remember. I think we'll we'll get into more detail later on, but I think those are the the main thoughts and things. And I 
I think my just the main thing I uh, overall storyline with this team is I have no idea what I was going to see out of this team on any given night. So I don't even know where to begin with telling you what they're going to do against the Edmonton Oilers in a month if we get hockey. So I like we were talking before we came on the air. Tell me who the six defensemen are going to be for this team. I ain't got a damn clue. My guess at it is Dehan Keith Boquist. Uh, I don't know why I'm naming him fourth, but Murphy, uh, Mata, and Cuckoo. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I about right. And then seven is probably going to be Lucas Carlson. I was going to say I wouldn't mind seeing Lucas Carlson in there over Mata or Cuckoo, but I don't think I'm going to get my hopes uh, get my hopes up for that. And yeah, that's the other thing that was part of the season was that like Mata and Cuckoo are not a bad third pair. They're like a pretty. Mm-hmm. Great, pretty like for a third pairing of the defensemen, they're a pretty good third pair of defensemen. I've, I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll just I, I don't have enough to, something about the way they it just seemed like their blunders always seemed more visually unappealing than the typical defensive blunder. I guess it's like when they when they, when they mess up, it's just like egregious and so egregious that you can't ignore it, but. Maybe that maybe that's just my poor memory of the regular season, which again might as well have been five years ago. I don't remember much of anything. I'm like I'm looking at stats and numbers, and it might as well be Greek to me, just because it feels like a time from so long ago. If Corey Crawford plays well, if Corey Crawford plays like the to the ceiling, what we know Corey Crawford can play to, a lot of the other stuff may not matter. Crawford will just take care of everything, which is kind yeah, of again. the kind of been the Blackhawks philosophy for the last three years. Like, oh, just let Crawford take care of it. It's my opinion he's the best playoff goaltender currently playing. Uh, if he's that again, then it doesn't matter what well, else anybody else does besides maybe Kane. I was going to say, I was about to say, do you know another goalie that's going to be playing in this postseason that's won two cups? And the answer is Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. Although Matt, although Matt Murray might not, <laughs> might not have his net. He yeah, might he get replaced. Because I know he had a pretty disastrous regular season. He might get uh, taken over by Tristan Jari, so so we don't know. Outside of that, though, gentlemen, I uh, didn't really have much else to talk about. I think the the draft lottery news was the biggest uh, uh, topic of the day, and Shepard and I obviously got our vocal cords worked out, so I'm feeling pretty good from, from our discussion earlier. Uh, any final thoughts or anything before I put a bow on this here episode of Musings on Madison? The long saga of Eric Gustafson ended, and thank God for that. Yes, it did. And and I'm glad it's probably a year too late, but you know, we, we got there. We got there and we had a good time. And they got what is a second round pick for him? Third? Yeah, I'm starting to think I remember that a little more fondly than uh The second was for Leonard. It was a yeah, second for Leonard, third and he went to Calgary. I couldn't have even told you where he was until I looked it up just now. I completely forgot he got traded to Calgary. Uh Brandon Kane, what about you? Any final burning thoughts about the uh the Blackhawks or the draft lottery or uh, anything else before we wrap up this episode here? It was nice to have something to talk about where people had opinions on both sides. And generally it was like fun. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you had a good time. I hope you pop some popcorn while Shepard and I were. Uh, I don't like popcorn. What? <laughs> how, how do you, it gets stuck in the teeth and it's just not a thing. I've never heard the sentence. Chips. I don't like popcorn. There's no, there's that. That's a sentence that can't exist. That just, it's such a simple thing. Like even other types, like cheese popcorn or like caramel or cheese is the worst. See, wait, did you say? Did you just say cheese is the worst? Yeah, like cheese in general. Is that is that, that a broad statement? Is that a broad statement? You're making better. No, I'm like cheese popcorn's the worst. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, I think I, both, I think me and Dave are about to be start yelling together. Yeah, on the same side. We are. We're instead of yelling at each other, we're yelling at Brandon now. <laughs> we're on the same side now. <laughs> it's, it's nice of Brandon to bring us together. See, see how good he is. I try. Well, before Brandon <laughs> says anything else, that's completely ridiculous. Like I don't like popcorn. I'm sending you a bag of popcorn. I'm sending you boxes in the mail, and we're gonna change your mind on this. I'll just but hand them I, out to the homeless. Oh, well, that's that's very thoughtful of you. <laughs> wait, <laughs> I don't think they would accept it, though, like coronavirus and all that. Yeah. All right. Well, way to take me being an asshole and make it a good <laughs> person. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sure both of our listeners are going to be uh, thinking I'm, I'm the prick here. So on that note, 
I think we can put a bow on this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We're going to start doing more kind of in-depth, much more in-depth than the conversations we were just having, but kind of recapping the 2019-2020 regular season, and eventually we'll transition into a preview of the upcoming playoffs, whatever the hell it's going to be. If we get there, um, obviously circumstances change, as there was an article at the website today. Circumstances change. Maybe we'll stop writing altogether about hockey, but at the moment we're kind of trending towards hockey, so we're going to start writing about it. Um, but yeah, stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We'll start having more podcasts talking about uh, the, the season that was and the postseason that hopefully will be. Um, and I think that'll do it. For Brandon, for Shepard, I'm Dave. Hope everyone stays safe, wear a mask, and go Hawks. Da, 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 da.